Welcome home. You're listening to Princeton Real Estate Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Huntsman. Today, we're talking about construction, renovation, building from scratch, and I'm very lucky to have as my guest, Tom Pinio, who is the founder and owner of Pinio Construction in Princeton and has been for the last 25 years. He is a very well-respected contractor and builder extraordinaire, and I can't think of anyone I'd rather talk construction with. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, this is great, Laura. Fun to be with you. Can't believe I've been doing this for 25 years, but I uh, can't either. I think you got the numbers right, unfortunately. I know. And and you've been doing a great job for 25 years because you're still around and still kicking and and building like crazy right now. It's a busy time. Yeah. It's a busy time. So I thought we would start by talking about, well, first the fact that it is a busy time and a lot of homeowners are renovating. They're adding on. They're deciding they're going to build their dream house from scratch. They, they're doing so many things to their house, even little things where they're doing it themselves. But in terms of working with you, when someone contacts you for a home renovation or an addition or a brand new build, how does that process start and how do you estimate a job? Good question. Um, and I uh, love the fact that you use uh, one of my favorite words often overlooked in this business, and that is process. Uh, understandably, uh, folks are uh, excited and inspired by images and uh, what it will be like when they're done. Um, the, the, the process of getting there uh, can be demystified. It can be predictable. Um, and it's important that uh, you set off on that on that path, that journey uh, with a, a good roadmap. So um, I think the first question is, where are you in that process? So uh, if you've got just some ideas and want to get the ball rolling, uh, uh, I can uh, recommend architects. I can uh, talk about past projects. We can look at uh, some things that uh, inspire you and talk about some initial budgets uh, and materials. Or if you're farther down the path and uh, have a set of preliminary plans, we can put some numbers to that. We also bid projects. Uh, when uh, you've got an architect who has come up with some real firm specifications, we're, we're super happy to uh, work hard for a couple of weeks and put together a very detailed estimate. So I guess the answer to your question is how do you uh, of, of how you how you get to the point of uh, starting a project is going to depend on where you are right now. And we're comfortable right. working in a few different ways. Right. I mean, there's a big difference between having looked on Pinterest and yeah. and creating little uh, uh, boards for yourself as opposed to having really mapped it out with mm -hmm. your architect of choice. And now you're looking for the person to execute it. That's right. And um, we are not a design build firm. Uh, we don't have architects on staff. We're a construction company. Um, but we're, I think, really good partners in the design intent so that we can actually work off of some of that Pinterest board. Uh, we can look at 
the house you're in or the house you're thinking of of, of building. And uh, I think we can we we get it pretty quickly. Um, so uh, it is uh, it, it all depends on what you're coming what you're coming with. And uh, right. I'm happy to proceed in a couple of different couple of different ways. Right. And buyers who are looking to buy a house that may need a complete renovation, that can be done. They shouldn't be afraid of that because that's something that you do. You do do complete renovations of houses that may need total updating. For sure. And, yeah. So yeah, new new homes uh, additions, a smaller job for us would be sort of a kitchen renovation addition, right? Adding kind of that breakfast room, uh, uh, kind of a typical kind of project, a breakfast room right. to, a, to a kitchen remodel that also expands into the dining room. Um, I, I know that that uh, one of the uh, upshots of, of COVID was maybe a little retreat from the open floor plan. I have read more about that than I've seen, frankly, in, in right. at least among our client base, I think still an open, uh, uh, more or less open floor plan is something that, that we're still seeing, uh, predominantly. Um, but, um, yeah, there are, uh, so that's kind of on the smaller end, a larger end would be a whole house renovation, uh, upgrades to mechanical systems, um, and maybe an addition or not. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, of course, new home construction. So Right, right. Now, we've heard a lot. We've all heard a lot. My clients have heard a lot about how impossible it is to get appliances in a timely manner, how yeah. expensive lumber became. And, and, and so what are you seeing? What caused that to begin with? And what are you seeing now in terms of timetable and also cost of materials? Yeah, it's been a wild ride, right? It's uh, yeah. it's a little bananas. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, we first we I think the first uh, that that you 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 touch on a few things that are of course related um, uh, to one another. Uh, lumber prices is the one that um, uh, has really sort of I think been the one that has been hard to. Hard to track and, and um, uh, account for. I mean, there's some plywood prices just through the roof. I mean, really crazy. Uh, those I think are we're starting to see. We're starting to see these numbers come down a bit. So what happened? I think that we had we had mills shutting down in spring of uh, of 2020. Uh, we had um, an expectation uh, as markets tanked. Uh, that demand was going to go down. I think everyone was kind of in a wait and see uh, frame of mind. Um, right. We had then a super fast turnaround and um, just supply uh, was not able to meet the demand. Uh, we had in, we had that Texas uh, craziness, the storm that, that right. um, freeze that uh, as luck would have it at least for, for, for us, shut down certain resin uh, plants that are uh, part of some of the uh, exterior sheathing and, and, and subflooring that we use. So we couldn't even get stuff. Uh, and wow. when we when we, we, we could when we when we were able to uh, finally at least order it, it was like three times the price. So 
Um, I think some of this is actually working its way through the system. So as of sort of, you know, where are we, mid-July, mid uh, we're, we're starting to see the first signs that what what many of our clients have seen in, you know, in the, the you know, financial papers that lumber prices are coming down and futures are coming down, that that is actually starting to get to the, uh, you know, the retail and wholesale level. So fingers crossed that's that's uh, that's uh, heading in the right direction um there have been just these oddball uh uh sort of series of events like uh, yeah, we've seen some uh more than i've ever seen in 25 years we've seen some mid-year price increases on things like windows everyone seems to have done it they're responding i think to both you know their uh, material prices a and frankly i think some opportunity, right? There's, right, there's right. huge demand. And I think that probably under the guise of material increases, they're, they're kind of putting their finger on this, that scale. Um, and so when there was a, let's say a deadline for before a price increase, a bunch of people put in uh, orders for some windows and that bumped out the, the lead time. So there's one manufacturer, Marvin, that, that, that we uh, see a lot in Princeton that uh, their higher end windows, normally five to seven week lead time, are now 23 to 26 weeks. That's unbelievable. Um, it is unbelievable. And it creates a lot of issues in terms of pressing for decisions, getting those things ordered uh, more uh, earlier in the process rather than waiting until we're starting to frame something or or just before, you know, uh, we're starting to frame something. So it has created a sort of a cascade and a knock-on effect in a, in a lot of different areas. Um, yes, appliances, uh, we see the same things. Um, general sort of just throughout the system, but windows and appliances have been the big ones on lead times. Lumber has been the cost of lumber, which in our projects, of course, is going to matter, but it's not like we're just a framing contractor, right? So right, that, right. um, it's a piece of the puzzle for sure, but you know, on a new home that might be a 10 or $20,000, uh, price increase right now, which is something, of course, but it's right, not right. it's not a huge percentage right. of the number. Um, so I am cautiously optimistic that these Good. things are working there. Yeah, yeah. It's just one less thing to uh, pull your hair out. Uh, right. About, so. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I have always loved about your firm is that you have a strong environmental consciousness about the way you approach yeah. projects where your clients share that environmentalism. Mm -hmm. uh, can you just talk a little bit about the different things that can be done to help the planet in terms of renovating, remodeling, building from scratch, um, different types of heating and for sure, of electricity usage and and all of that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to think about this uh, the way uh, sort of the the USDA food pyramid uh, is is formed. Not, and we can have, uh, we can have <laughs> sidebar conversations about how how that was created. But I think it's a nice I think it's a nice graphic. And right, um, what I find most interesting. Uh, about this whole conversation is the stuff that most people find uh, puts them to sleep. So uh, for me, 
uh, I think about this in terms of creating a uh, tight envelope, uh, a right. well insulated and air sealed envelope, and then uh, you've got less demand, less heating and cooling demand, and you meet that with efficient systems. So for the longest time, people understood, I think, uh, houses, they, they would say, you know, houses, you know, the, you, you run into a crusty old carpenter and they say, oh, a house needs to breathe. Well, no, you need to breathe. Uh, a house <laughs> does not need to breathe. A house needs to be adequately ventilated. A house that's too tight is a problem for sure. It's a problem for the house. It's a problem for the inhabitants, creating uh, levels of uh, carbon dioxide that are, are, are too high. Among other uh, among other uh, issues, indoor air quality issues, but we can now ventilate a house, whether it's with uh, bathroom fans on a timer, or more sophisticated uh, uh, ways that actually uh, help to mitigate the loss of energy when you're doing that kind of air exchange. Okay, so I, I can sense that I'm starting to nerd out a little bit here, but no, but, but I'm I, I'm with, you're with you. Me? Are you with yep. me? Okay, I'm so. With you. So I am into the really boring stuff that makes for a tight uh, enclosure. And there are two things to keep in mind. Uh, I often talk about the importance of, of insulation uh, and air sealing. So uh, on a cold day, uh, uh, when you're heading out, uh, you might throw on a down puffy, uh, which is great, right? It keeps you well insulated. Now, if it's a windy cold day, you're going to just intuitively throw on a shell on top of that. So these two things go hand in hand, right? Good insulation and good air sealing. Think about it as your down puffy and your shell combination. Okay. Um, now, if you're starting to work, you might want to unzip that shell and you might want to unzip those, those, you know, zips under the arms and, and, and get rid of some of that in the same fashion, but in a way that's uh, more uh, precisely engineered, and I'm not talking about anything crazy, we put in what are called energy recovery ventilation systems or heat recovery ventilation systems that are basically sophisticated fans that pull in the winter, pull stale air out of the room, send it outside and bring fresh air in from the outside. And they do it in a nifty way where those two things uh, cross a membrane so that that stale warm air gives up some of its heat to that fresh cold air coming in so it kind of preheats it they don't mix literally but they give off they the the, the warm air uh gives some of its warmth to the cold air coming in okay so we've you know uh there, there there's one there's one blogger who likes to talk about uh, uh code levels of insulation as being barely not illegal uh we can do better most of our clients, right? Your clients, my clients, right. um, are, are, are not inclined to uh, set the bar so low, right? Whether it is right. in any other aspect of their life. So why do we do it here, right? And, and I, I would like to sort of reverse some of the thinking around this. So I haven't even begun to mention all the sexy stuff, right? Solar, right. geothermal, right? We're going to talk about that later. That comes down the pike. That's up at the point of the pyramid, right? But what we need to do is have a house that just requires less energy. And then let's heat it, cool it, and light it with efficient systems. So uh, LED lighting really should just be the default. 
Um, and it is in most cases now. And then heating and cooling. So um, where possible, um, I would like to uh, uh, get off of the gas, either uh, natural gas or propane, uh, and onto electric and make that electricity, if possible, on the property uh, with photovoltaic solar energy, right? Solar solar panels. Um, right. So uh, there are uh, in the last dozen years, the uh, the efficiency of uh, air conditioning and heating systems called heat pumps, which is just an air conditioner that can run backwards, basically. Um, are such that we can really heat and cool a it, but it has to be a well insulated and well sealed house with these uh, with these heat pumps uh, air, with these heat pump air conditioners. Now that is the same essential technology as what is being used in geothermal. Geothermal uh, is just ground source heat pump, whereas a and everybody knows sort of the the, the Mitsubishi uh, mini split system that they've right. seen, and most people don't care for the looks of. That is an air source heat pump. Geothermal uses a ground source heat pump. It's essentially the same technology. One uses a constant, relatively constant temperature from the ground. Uh, the air source uses uh, the fluctuating temperature uh, in the in the uh, in the air. Now. Uh, geothermal has done uh, that. That industry, that sector, has done a good job of getting uh, tax credits for both the equipment and the drilling, um, and has somehow managed to position itself as a renewable sort of green technology. It's great. It's efficient, but it's no more renewable or green than an air source heat pump. Um, there are a couple of potential advantages uh, for a ground source heat pump. If the tax credits work, you've got the property to do that kind of drilling, whether it be a deep well or a big field. And if you're considering radiant heat, it works very well because it, there's a way to have the, the loop that goes through the well field and uh, play well with a, with a uh, relatively low temperature of radiant heat. Okay. Am I still, do you, are you still there? Do yep, I have I'm I lost? I'm still here. <laughs> nope. I'm still here. <laughs> okay. So the old radiators that we see around Princeton, uh, the, right. the great cast iron radiators that give off tremendous heat, right? The, the heat that everyone really likes because it's not a dry heat. Right. Um, that heat in those cast iron, right? You don't like to sit down and or sit on one of those or touch it. That runs at a very high temperature. The hot water that's going through radiant tubing in floors is much lower. It's about 100, 110 degrees, as opposed to maybe 160 to 180 in those radiators. So you don't, so geothermal ground source heat pump doesn't have to work as hard to get the, 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 the uh, temperature in that radiant tubing up to 110 as it would if it had to get to 100 and let's say 80 degrees, right? So right. that's another benefit of it. So it certainly, certainly has its place. There are just some, I think, uh, very uh, uh, appealing aspects of air source heat pumps, especially as those efficiencies are ever increasing. So 
there are, uh, I encourage uh, folks to go onto njcleanenergy.com, njcleanenergy.com, and that's kind of a clearinghouse for rebates and incentives uh, through the state. Um, we also are an Energy Star uh, uh, certified builder um, and work with a third party rating system on our new homes um, to uh, ensure that we are meeting uh, the requirements for Energy Star. So they come out and they inspect at various intervals. They do a final what's called blower door test where uh, everything is done and they put a um, this uh, little sort of uh, temporary door inside your front door and turn on a fan and, uh, uh, and pressurize the house uh, and see how leaky it is right wow uh, and that's that's back to this thing of uh saying uh not 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 saying that how that a house needs to breathe but rather saying let's make it absolutely as tight as we can and then introduce uh, uh engineered uh regulated levels of uh ventilation uh and air exchanges so um energy star is a good program uh the the sort of the uh, the marquee, the highest standard is something called Passive House, which has very, very high standards of, of, uh, of uh, air sealing and insulation and energy usage. Um, and so we are, when I'm talking Energy Star and when I'm talking above code levels, uh, we are well below where sort of the, uh, the, the uh, cutting edge is. So uh, there's a huge gap between what code allows and what we can do. And I don't think we all have to be passive house, but right. if we could uh, raise the bar, I think we will have, we, we can use less expensive, more efficient uh, heating and cooling systems, and we can have more comfortable houses. That I don't think there, there's, a, there's it's, it's a win, win, win. Yep. That, it sounds like the, that's the future. That's where we're headed. Yeah, it can be tomorrow. Yeah, and we're and we're doing it. We've got a couple of net zero ready homes uh, in our portfolio, and we've done you know uh, a dozen uh, or so uh, uh, you know higher performing uh, uh, you know way above code several new uh, homes that are Energy Star. So it's all it's all available. Um, another one of my favorite uh, sort of lines is state of the shelf, not state of the art. So there are a lot of really good tried and true systems you know um our our trade is not one that's known as as uh generally cutting edge um there are people who are understandably uh, nervous about putting in uh complicated systems that work in theory uh if you know it, it's not fun having to go back and and service things that uh, are working pretty well. <laughs> we want them right. to be reliable and robust, right? So, right. Um, as an industry, we tend to be a, a little bit more conservative, but there are things that are state of the shelf right now um, that are are, uh, are are light years past what code requires. Great, that's really great. That makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> so here is the question I get asked all the time. And so I'd like to ask it of you, since I'm, I have you here. Uh, I'm constantly asked by clients, 
How much do, does it cost per square foot to renovate this? How much does it cost per square foot to build a house from scratch? And I always answer, well, that depends. And now I'm going to put that on you to be more specific so that I can say more than that depends. Yeah, right. Well, uh, sometimes I get that question all the time, of course, and it's an understandable question, right? Um, uh, and sometimes I respond by saying, well, how much does it cost to go out to dinner? Right. And, oh, right. It does depend, right? And because you can say it depends and not being a wise guy, it, it, it absolutely does depend. Okay. Now, that said, uh, we can, I think, establish, if not a point, we can establish some sort of bookends for that conversation. Um, one of the first things to do, however, is to uh, uh, at least agree on what we mean by a square foot. Seems like a reasonable thing to do if we're going to yep. cost, if we're going to put a, 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 a number in the hundreds of dollars uh, on a square foot and we're going to start doing some math, let's agree at least on one of the one of the variables here. What is the square foot? Okay, so I think uh, reasonable people can discuss square footage uh, uh, differently. I have over years come to uh, the uh, convention that a square foot is finished conditioned space. So that would include all the obvious stuff. The first floor, the second floor, the bedrooms, the living rooms, the kitchen. Uh, it also includes, in our way of doing the square footage calculations, it also includes any finished conditioned basement space. Now, I'm not talking about a set of stairs down to a basement that is got some drywall on the walls and a couple of porcelain light fixtures. I'm talking about something that has floor finishes and doors and trim and cabinetry. It probably has some kind of, you know, entertainment center. It doesn't have to be crazy home theater, but it's got real living space, right? Right. Um, that also includes any enclosed, let's say, porches. It does not include a back terrace. It does not include, let's say, a roof terrace, right? It, we've, got to, we've got to draw the line somewhere. And for the sake of having these preliminary conversations, because that's all this is with these square foot numbers, right? They are, they are, they are instructive and, and to get us into a uh, as I call it, should we continue the conversation level of pricing? Because at the end of the day, my goal is to give our clients a fixed price for the cost of the project. There will undoubtedly be some allowances around some finishes like tile. Right. But this square foot conversation is meant to get the conversation started and to talk about a range. Okay, so it does not, square footage, I do not include the any garages in that uh, i do not include any unfinished mechanical room space that may be taking up valuable place in a in a basement or in a bonus room let's say um so i think we've defined a square foot finished condition space and by the way here's a little known fact the tax 
folks in Princeton measure to the outside of the building. So guess what? I'm going to measure to the outside of the building. You may be like, really, Tom? We're getting down to that level? Well, if you take a six-inch wall and spin it around the whole house, two floors, we start to actually get some square footage. So right. just to be in line with the Princeton tax man or woman, uh, uh, we measure to the outside of the house, finished condition space. Okay. So there is over the last, let's just say couple, three years, there's an awful lot that I can point to that lands in the 300 to $400 a square foot range. We have certainly built for less uh, in the high 200s, um, custom architect design, and we have built in the $700 range custom architect designed homes. So the renovation costs, I think, tend to be at the lower end of that, though uh, we've seen prices right in, depending on the finishes. And this is where, this is really the, it depends, right? This is, right. are we going to, um, are we going to Taqueria or are we going to uh, <laughs> name your, name your place, right? And I love, I love, I love a whole range of restaurants and there are a lot of, uh, there's a whole range of renovations too, right? Are we using super high end uh, uh, countertops and tile and millwork and lots of it and and crazy windows? Or are we using, again, this idea of sort of uh, uh, state of the shelf, um, well-designed, smart selections, but they're not, they're not crazy high end. Yeah. So you're right in saying it depends, but I do not think you are misleading uh, you would be misleading uh, uh, your clients if in the future you said it depends. But I have it on good word that there is a solid range of custom architect design homes in Princeton for in the three to four hundred dollars a square foot range. It's a good starting point. OK, good. That's good to know. Yeah. And and just so that listeners know you don't just work in Princeton, you work in the surrounding areas as well. Yeah. 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 So uh from we've projects in Newtown, uh through Hunterdon, uh um uh, and yeah, Hopewell, uh Lawrenceville. Um but yeah, a lot of it, I mean the, the majority is within uh within yeah 15 miles of uh of of princeton so yeah but but not just not just in town for sure yep are you seeing any movement towards buyers wanting smaller smarter houses or yeah are you yes there there is i mean i i um i wish there was more um, and I, were, I wish that energy and, and building performance were something that I heard more at the outset. It does happen. It for sure happens. There, there are um, a, a couple of, of uh, projects on the boards now that are, that are in early stages and, and energy and performance are, are part of that early conversation. And right that back to our earlier conversation about uh, strategies. One of the most important things you can do, if you're serious about that, is to is to have that be uh, something that you're talking about at the outset. Because how 
what mechanical systems you're using and how they're going to integrate into the house really uh, uh, are going to impact or can impact, let's say, you know, floor plan and design. And um, so it's it's important if that's a priority to to talk about it early. Um, So I would say that, yes, we are. I think that there is a uh, there is. Uh, I think one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, upshots of COVID as people moved out of the city, and we have seen our fair share of of that that uh, people leaving New York. I think used to smaller places, so not right. looking for uh, places quite as as large, um, and. Uh, a, a a mindset and an interest in in having uh, efficient systems and again not not um, thinking about anything crazy but how can we uh, as we go about this uh, just be smart both for um, uh, the you know, for, for for environmental reasons for and for comfort reasons and 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 uh, you know energy savings and cost reasons so yes the answer is is yes, uh, we are seeing it. Um, I'd love to see more of it. Right, right. Me too. Me too. How long do projects, and I know this is another, it it depends. How long do projects take from start to finish? Yeah. Uh, You know, just because we have to go through a certain series of events, if let's just, let's go back to that, uh, uh, if we use it kind of on the smaller side, let's just say a uh, small addition renovation, uh, not the whole house, perhaps, but uh, kitchen, that kitchen renovation addition thing, you know, it uh, is six, six months uh, and new home, uh, I would say a year and up, depending uh, again right. on, the, on the size. Um, there are just some things that you can't <laughs> make go any faster. Um, right. Uh, you do on a larger project have some sort of economy of scale with the, you know, the, the sort of the sequence of things that need to get done. So you can get more done in about the same amount of time. Uh, and then there's certain sort of plateaus and breakpoints. Um, and you yeah. do a whole, you do traditional homes, you do antique homes, you do modern, yeah. you do a whole, yeah, the- whole array of styles. Yeah, yeah, and this goes back to that thing that we are not uh, a design build firm, right? We're we're a construction uh, firm, good partners in the design intent, and we have followed um, our our clients and their architects. Um, we have three preservation awards from the uh, Historical Society of Princeton. Um, Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, um, and those are great. Those are great projects, and this is a place for me just to say that. Uh, I, you know, we are uh, we are big fans of of good architecture, whether it is Greek Revival or whether it is a glass and steel home, uh, new home. Uh, you know, good architecture is good architecture. I would say. Yeah. Um, so it is true that through our experience, we've 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 come to understand that yes, in that new uh, glass and uh, modern home that we're not going to be, you know, uh, uh, resolving, uh, details with, with moldings that we've got to plan them out well in advance so that lines are crisp, uh, and that we're not, uh, we're not 
uh, we don't have a chance later on to cover something with a, a piece of molding, which frankly is why I think a lot of molding exists, right? It started from this great, uh, these, these classical orders of architecture, but they came in handy uh, and they come in handy, frankly, uh, when you're when you're building uh, more quickly, um, uh, you or can, when you're trying to make a make a 1700s <laughs> house look plumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, when 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 you need to leave the uh, the the level and the square in your truck and just <laughs> and just get it done and get it yeah. in there, you can you can bridge uh, out of plumb out of square conditions with uh, with with trim. And I'm not here to say that it is, uh, it's what, uh, builders or carpenters use to make up for lack of skill. It's a necessity at some points as well. Uh, do you know anything about old houses? Oh yes, I do. What a shock. (laughs) I do. I've learned the hard way. Um, I love my old house, but I know it's, I know it's quirks too. Yeah. 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 And uh, I too am a fan of 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 old houses, and uh, but they have they have their challenges. Uh, yes, they do. But there's a patina that comes with them that you can't get right off, uh, uh, you know, right out of the gate with a with a uh, even something that's sort of in the style of an older home. You bet. You bet. Yeah. So, what do you see anything new coming? down the pike in terms of roofing materials or siding materials? You Mm. know, I remember when hardy plank was a new Mm. thing. Um, Anything that you're working, any materials like that Mm. that you're working with that are are innovative and different? Yeah. Um, Siding and exterior trim um, over the last... uh, decade or so, we've seen a lot more of a, uh, a, a product that is made from, and this loops back into, into uh, sustainability and green building, uh, a product um, called Boral True Exterior. And it is um, made of, uh, largely of uh, a byproduct of, of, of the coal industry, of a fly ash. And it, um, it mills very well. Um, we, you may recall, a dozen, fifteen years ago, uh, we were using these. Uh, a lot of builders were using a, a, uh, azac or other um, vinyl uh, uh, trim that would, unfortunately, very durable and weather resistant. But it, it, it would expand and contract, uh, just. Crazy expansion and contraction, um, and and so it wasn't. It, it, the joints would open up. This is a very stable. This boral is a very stable material. It paints very well. It mills beautifully, um, and we can also get siding out of it. Um, and uh, historic uh, project we did just recently at Twenty Green Street. Um, we use that material as the siding, and unlike hardy plank, it has a deeper shadow line that's more like a traditional clabbered. Um, oh, so uh, that's that. Uh, certain architects are 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 specking that, um, and it holds paint, you know, better than better than wood. Uh, so um, it's uh, that's a great that's a great product. Um, we see a whole range of windows, whether they're, we're really, you know, when I started, uh, it was, uh, this was sort of a wood 
window town, Marvin Wood windows were the kind of the go-to. We're seeing, uh, and, and even the um, HPC, Historic Preservation Commission, is approving clad Marvin windows. Um, and not just Marvin, I don't mean to talk only about Marvin, um, Anderson and Pella as well, to name a few, Colby and Colby. Uh, uh, so there are lots of, there are lots of options out there. Um, uh, and uh, there are other uh, materials. Uh, uh, there's an extruded fiberglass, a Fibrex material. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, I don't know if I've just gotten uh, old and lazy, um, but the days of just needing to paint sash, divided lights, I mean, is that something that you look forward to, Laura? Like, you know, no. you, or, or, or hiring someone to do? No. It just seems, it seems like we should be past that point. And I get, I totally get that there will be certain places where we're going to want to have wood windows in very, uh, in, in, in uh, historic preservation, uh, historic restoration. Absolutely. Um, that said, I think for most people in 2021, um, we should be able to put together, whether it is sort of a more traditional uh, renovation or a new home that we can put uh, uh, an outside to that building that doesn't require just, um, you know, uh, uh, constant upkeep. Right. right. And, yep. um, we can do that. So that's great. I love, uh, air source heat pumps, um, and the efficiency. Um, I love pushing insulation. Um, and yeah, other than that, it's a lot of, you know, and not to boil it down or dumb it down, but there, it's it's a lot of of uh, interior finishes. Um, great, great, you know, uh, uh, new products in terms of tiling and and backer boards for showers that make um, the the old mud jobs and vinyl shower pans a thing of the past. People, um, of course, are doing a lot of linear drains and curbless showers. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, there's, there's always, there's always, uh, there's always good stuff, you know, um, and as has been the case forever, it, it, it is great to have those products, but what makes it work is a design and details that come together well and folks who install them, uh, properly. So, right. yeah. Right. Are we ever going to get anything besides the asphalt roof. Mm, mm. You know, Laura, I know it's, I know it's, they're brutally boring, but uh, it's hard to argue with an asphalt roof. I um, know. Um, because they are, they are inexpensive. Yes, you cannot really, well, I guess you can, re can you recycle them? I'm not sure. It's not, it's not like metal, but I don't like having that conversation about, well, yeah, metal's great because you can recycle it. That's just not, well, okay, let's not talk about when we're going to rip your roof off again. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, there are, uh, we do see our fair share of painted, you know, the the standing seam roofs, metal roofs, and I'm not yeah. talking copper. Um, that is few and far between those roofs. Um, there are synthetic um, uh, uh, slates um, that get used um and are, are, are pretty attractive. Um, and certainly from the ground, I can't tell the difference. Um, so, yeah. um, that, um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. We do not see 
a lot of cedar around here. We've done cedar roofs and we do do them, but they are few and far between. I mean, for us, usually it is a one or another form of asphalt or it's a flat roof. Uh, and certainly uh, with, um, with some of our modern architects, we're doing a lot of flat roofs. And so that's a rubber, it's uh, uh, and what's called EPDM, uh, where there's some pitch built into the roof or the substrate, and uh, it has uh, then this rubber membrane that goes over it. That rubber membrane can then have either, uh, you know, you can have a, a green roof, uh, which we do on a few occasions, or we've done on a few occasions. Um, it can have a roof deck put on top of it. Um, we've done roof decks recently where there is this rubber roof and then a pedestal system that holds tiles so that you've got, imagine a pitch, a slightly pitched roof underneath, and then these adjustable pedestals, which now allow you to have a level walking surface, be it either wood or, um, or tile. Uh, oh, and then gaps, that's a good and then, idea. And then gaps in between that let uh, rain through. Now, depending on your property, right, you've got to make sure that you allow for some maintenance on that because uh, that stuff, especially once it gets uh, uh, through the cracks in those or the, the, the gaps in those tiles, uh, tends to get all yucky and clog gutters. So, you know, that's another maintenance thing. But um, gutter maintenance is something everyone uh, talk about another thrilling uh, topic in construction. <laughs> gutter, gutter maintenance is something that uh, people should take uh, seriously. Oh, I just look forward yes. to it like you yes. wouldn't believe. Yes. Yeah. Good, good, good times. <laughs> okay. So one more question. That, and yeah. this, is, this is something that I've noticed, and I just wonder if it's proper or not. Sometimes in finished basements, uh, there is hardwood on the slab mm. and i'm just mm. wondering is is that a a, a good option for a basement mm -hmm. floor mm -hmm. is there can... a way you prep it that makes it a good option uh yes uh there is and it's also important that you use the right kind of wood floor so uh i would only put a wood floor down that is actually an engineered wood floor. So that does not mean that it's a necessarily a pre-finished plasticky whatever. It can be real wood on the surface, but underneath, if you were to take a cross section of that flooring, it's basically plywood with a uh, wear layer, just as thick as the wood flooring up on the first floor that okay. is uh, that is hardwood. So many times uh, we put down in a finished basement a site finished site sanded and finished wood floor that looks indistinguishable from the wood floor upstairs in fact it may be the same material it's just a high quality plywood very stable uh wood floor it does you have to first make sure that you're not getting a wet basement right so that has to do with drainage and gravity drains, or if you don't have pitch on your property, uh, you know, sump pumps and backup generators and all that stuff. Um, and then making sure that there's the right kind of um, uh, prep of the slab um, and uh, that it's installed well, uh, that it's glued down properly. Um, but yeah, you absolutely can do that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I probably wouldn't put that in your basement. Your what uh, you know? Oh no, honey. Eighteen, whatever. <laughs> I don't put anything in my yeah. basement. <laughs> <laughs> but um, except except the boiler. Yeah, right. Uh, but in a new in a new addition that we can uh, ensure is uh, uh, you know is dry or a new home for sure. Uh, absolutely, we can we can do that. So um, I think you know that's like a great point where it's there, no no question is is a dumb question to ask you've got uh, princeton is full of of talented uh uh architects and and builders who uh have answers to these things it's getting on board with someone who uh, has a process who has experience and can pull in the right people to answer the questions uh and come up with the right kind of specs and explore possibilities Right. And you have a great team behind you as well. We do have a great team of, of uh, project managers and carpenters, and then just uh, a stable full of, of trusted uh, subcontractors, right? And yep. uh, we rely heavily on, on them. And it's, it's great to be able to say, and I'm very, very comfortable saying, you know, Laura, I don't know the answer to that question, but Give me a couple hours. Let me let me be in touch with my flooring contractor or my HVAC contractor, and I'll get back to you. And right. um, our job is to bring all of those component pieces together. Right? Uh, we're uh, that's 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 the task at hand. There's no one piece. There's no single piece of what we do that's terribly complicated. It's orchestrating the whole show uh, and doing it. Uh, on a schedule and a fixed cost that uh, right. that's where that's where the fun comes. Yep. Well, Tom, so. you have been great. And for anyone listening who has a question, like questions I've been asking or anything yeah. else, uh, you will be able to get in contact with Tom via his information on the podcast website and uh, at Pinio. All you have to do is Google Pineo Construction, and Tom is right there. Feel free to call. And um, Tom, thanks again for coming. Hey, Laura, this has been a lot of fun. It has been fun. And, um, And everyone else, you've been listening to Princeton Real Estate Podcast. And I'm your host, Laura Huntsman, and thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Princeton Real Estate Podcast with Laura Huntsman. Our podcasts are produced by HG Media and can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 